Today, uh, we're also not doing a light-hearted topic. We're actually talking about racism today. Look, our world is awash with problems, uh, but one we are particularly aware of at this moment is racism. Uh, there are protests throughout the, the US and indeed around the world in our own nation. It's definitely an issue of our time, uh, but we shouldn't and we didn't just look at other countries. It is also an issue of our own country and indeed of ourselves. Uh, let's be clear though as we start, this is not a new issue. It's not. It hasn't just read its head now. Uh, our history is filled with terrible examples involving genocides, uh, slavery, oppression and abuse because of race, ethnicity and of culture. And I'm a little bit going to lump those three together, race, race ethnicity and culture. Um, and I'm going to take that liberty this morning because racism, uh, this hatred towards others, this demeaning towards others, this bias towards oneself and against others uh, is messy. Messy. It doesn't keep to clean definitions. Uh, its roots of pride and fear and hatred and prejudice, they will grab any reason to exist. They will. But today, in the short time that we have, I want to give a big picture. A big picture because I firmly believe it is God's picture and the picture he is calling us into to, and to live from as his ambassadors in this world. And this morning, I don't want it to ever seem like I'm ignoring the differences that are between us. There are differences between us. Absolutely, they are. Uh, but I actually want to focus on what we share, on our oneness, as I've termed it this morning. Because yes, while they are big problems, and we want to actually look at them and look at the issue of racism, uh, we actually have a lot of in common, a lot that we share, and it's there that we can work from and actually deal with this problem. Uh, amen? Right, well, let's get into it. So, the way I want to go about this, I have six points. And they are that we have one maker, one ancestor, one sin, one saviour, one mission, and one future. And truth be told, I came up with a lot more ones as well, uh, but then I had to limit myself to six. And I, as I said, I'm trying to paint a picture, the big picture. And I think these six points cover the big picture pretty well. And I want this connection, uh, this picture to come through because it paints God's plan, God's big plan for us. And there's going to be a question here. Are we on board with his plan? Because if we're not, well, then we've really got something to work out, don't we? Because there's serious ramifications to that. And brothers and sisters, I want to be clear. I am not going to solve racism this morning. That'd be real cool, wouldn't it? But I'm not, because I'm also realistic about this. Uh, that will happen when Jesus returns. But we, we need to be clear here, now, today about God's call on us, upon you and me, and what he is calling us to, the life he is calling us to here and now. Because at the end of this, I want us to know what we need to get busy with, what we need to do, what we need to work at. So while I'm painting this picture, it's a picture I'm calling us all into, so we can then work from it. Well, let's get into it. So, one maker, 
We all have one maker, and this has to be our starting point as Christians, doesn't it? It's literally the starting point of the Bible. This is verse 27 of chapter 1 of Genesis. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. This teaches us that we all have the same source and the same purpose. We all have the same source and the same purpose, all of us. God is the maker of us all, and it is he who has given us our purpose. Whether we've come up with other purposes, that's another question. But he has given us a common purpose for us all. While uh, there are differences, even here, of male and female, all of us are meant to reflect him. All of us. That is our purpose, to reflect him. And this has obvious application to the issue of racism. Before any divisions, any divisions can be drawn between us, we have a common source and purpose which trumps everything else. It is foundational, more foundational than any differences. You know, I have the same source as a three-year-old girl living in Manila or an 80-year-old man living in Uganda. We have the same source, the same maker. And we shouldn't let go of that fact. Likewise, all three of us, while probably very different, I don't know if you've met many Ugandans, they're a lot darker than me. And I know I'm a bit pasty. But whatever our parents say that we should be, whatever our culture says that we should be, whatever our country says that we should be, whatever social media says that we should be, we all actually have a foundational purpose. The three-year-old girl in Manila, the 80-year-old man in Uganda, me, you, all of us. It's already given to us. It's just whether we know it. We will do different things and have different roles, but our main purpose, our foundational purpose, is to reflect God. It's been there right from the start. It has not changed. So one maker. And this leads to our one ancestor and one sin. And yes, I'm going to deal with these together, partially because they go together and partially for the sake of timing. Romans 5 verse 19 speaks of our one ancestor, Adam, and his sin saying, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Paul here is comparing Adam and Jesus. And this verse from Romans 5 draws a connection between our common ancestor, Adam, And us. Not only is Adam our common father, but he is also our common father of sin. Uh, Not the best commonality we share, but it is something we share. We do. And this has some really important applications to the issue of racism, amongst other things. Obviously, one point is, well, just to say it again, that we have a common father. While we might only be able to think back however many generations, Laurie, How many generations can you go back in your family with names? Five? That's really good going. I got about three. 
Really good going. Uh, and honestly, you know, there's not photos back then, and the names are like blurry. I don't know these people, that sort of thing. Uh, but we, we have a common father, Adam. Hello. Uh, which means that we're not that far apart. And look, I know it's a, a cliche to say, you know, things are only skin deep. Well, actually, when it comes to so many of our differences, especially around racism, actually the differences are only skin deep. What we share in common is far, far more fundamental. And for you, those of you who have traveled and been overseas and spent time in other cultures, which you, you, know, you can actually do in New Zealand as well, when you actually get to know people, that's true, isn't it? That, that's something that you learn. The differences might hit you in the face initially, but actually once you get to know them, you, you realize just how similar and how human they are, even if they have some pretty crazy personalities at times. But aside from sharing this common ancestor, we also share, as I said, in Adam's sin. As this verse tells us, it was through his disobedience that we were all made sinners. Or to put it another way, because he sinned, we were all born sinners who would sin. And this is true, isn't it? Think about this. It doesn't matter if you were brought up in the most Christian, the most godly family around, you know, they... I don't know, had verses on the walls and prayed before every meal and sung hymns in the car or something, uh, you have a bent towards sin. You might be told lots about God, but you will still not choose him at times. You will rebel and sin against him. You just will. We all know it. I was a pastor's kid. I am like a witness to it. But even if you grew up in the most unchristian of family, where God's name is taken in vain, and his ways were never spoken of, well, yeah, you're a sinner. There is a commonality there. There is something that we share. And generally, we don't like to think we are bad people, but part of the witness of the Bible is that just because, uh, is that, before God, we are all bad people who do bad things. Folks, we might see our, our differences amongst us. Actually, we can usually see them really easily. And we might point our fingers at our differences. We might point our fingers at each other's sin. But the truth of it is, we're all in the same boat. We are. And this means none of us should be surprised that racism continues to be a problem. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? I'm not suggesting that we take it for granted, just the opposite. Do you want to sit down, son? Do you want to stand with me? Yeah. Just the opposite. I'm suggesting that we will need to look for our biases in many things. All of our biases. I have biases. You have biases. The way we are brought up gives them as well and shapes us in many ways. Now, thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us here. He doesn't leave us in our sin. And while we have been birthed in sin in Adam, and that might seem unfair, the witness of the rest of this verse is that God has also given us birth into the righteousness we need. 
he's given us a new birth in Jesus as well, which is, or who is, our one saviour. Galatians 3 speaks of the saying of Jesus, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Jesus we have the reversal of what Adam did, of what his sin did. In him we have obedience, which is amazingly and astoundingly credited to us on the the cross. We have the regaining of our identity as children of God. And here in Galatians, Paul writes wonderfully that while we might be one in Adam's sin, we are also one in our faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter who we are in this world, Jew or Gentile, which is essentially privileged and unprivileged. Jews were given God's law. They knew of God. Gentiles were not. Paul says, doesn't matter. This is a Jew writing this. Let that sink in. It doesn't matter if we are a slave or free. If you are, if you have nothing, no rights, well, you have all the rights in the world. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are male or female, even that most basic difference of creation. In Jesus, we are all one because it is he who gives us the righteousness we need to regain our place in God's family and take on that identity we were meant to have as the start, to be an image bearer. Oh, There are many differences amongst us. And I suspect they're only getting more numerous with this world. But Jesus brings us all back to our maker and his purpose for us. In him we can belong and through him and the spirit which continues his work in our lives, we can become again what we were originally meant to be. And this leads to our one mission, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Jesus' final words in that gospel. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' earth, if you look at the distance he traveled in his life on earth was quite small. I mean, he's largely walking it, let's be honest. But he he didn't travel great distances, except that he came from heaven to earth into a cross, into the grave, and out of the grave again. I mean, that's a pretty big distance, isn't it? And then he passed his mission on to us. All authority in heaven and on earth, that's all authority, I'm pretty sure, I'm telling you, go. There is nowhere that is too far away. There is no one that is too far away. Go and make disciples. Go and share the good news with them. Go and bring them into this kingdom that they can have fullness of life, that they can be image bearers in me. Jesus' mission 
and our mission is to take this good news to the world. And Jesus doesn't let us off the hook with anyone. Anyone. Anyone, anywhere. You know, I believe that generally the people of one culture, I'm talking about my belief here, so just take it as that, but generally the people of one culture are the best positioned to take the gospel to that culture. And certainly in New Zealand history, the vast majority of people who took the gospel to the Māori people were other Māori people. But let us not forget, someone overseas heard Jesus' call, left it all behind, got on a boat, almost inevitably in their mind, saying goodbye to everything they knew, never to return, and set off to the far end of the world and how good and right that they did. That wasn't too far. New Zealand was not too far. The Māori people are not too far. And our neighbours and friends are not too far, are they? Everyone, everywhere, this is the mission we are given and we can't ignore it. Which leads to our one future. The one aim that God is working towards. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This is God's end game. I know we have many things that we work towards in our lives, but this is what God is working towards. This is his goal. That what started with Adam and Eve and that was then lost will be regained, but with a lot more people. So many people that you and I would give up counting them. People we are told from every nation, tribe, and language. And we just know that included in that is going to be people of a lot of different skin colors. You know, I'm sure that in heaven there will be brothers and sisters uh, who were racist. I'm quite sure of that. And they will be there, like me, by the grace of God. You know, Jonathan Edwards, uh, he was almost certainly, obviously this is a point you could argue, almost certainly the greatest uh, theologian in American history. The greatest. Uh, he had slaves. He did. Uh, he had one called Venus, we know. And it's a really sore point. It doesn't change the fact that he was an amazing theologian. He did change. He did over the course of his life. And particularly his son. His son had no slaves and spoke very strongly against it. Let's be clear. None of us, not you or I, none of us come into God's presence on our own righteousness. And when we get there, we will be amazed at God's goodness to us despite our ignorance. But in this matter, is it not clear what God is working for? Is it not clear? Is this picture not clear? He's been working towards this the whole time. And while our differences, and the differences are real, 
Our differences are all, all all too evident to us. They're in our face and they grate against us. God's already given his son's life. They're not that great. They're not. And this is what we're called into. This is the picture, God's picture. I believe it. I absolutely do. So what does it mean for us? What are we working towards? What are we going to do? And I want to give five things really quick. I am going to be quick here. I think, firstly, we are called to be a people who will lament. If we are God's people, when we see evil and things that are not right in this world, we should grieve them. We should mourn. We should shake our heads. We should be sad about them because it is not right. And racism, along with all injustice, is something that should move us. And I know it's tempting to escape it, tempting to ignore it, but as God's people, we cannot. We can't. Now, it's not all that we do, but we are called to be a people who will lament. We are called to be a people who are willing to cry. I mean, there's things worth crying about in this world, aren't there? There are. Uh, Secondly, we are called to be a people who will repent as well. I shared that that little, little story of Jonathan Edwards and his family, his life. And it's easy in some ways to hear about this and go, was was he really that great a theologian? I, I feel comfortable saying, yeah, he was. And that should make us a little uneasy. Because if he was that good a theologian, how did he get it that wrong? And what does that mean for me? Where am I blind? Because I'm a sinner just like him. I am. My son, unfortunately, is a sinner just like me too. You are a sinner just like me and like Adam. And we have biases in our lives and they come through and sometimes we can put our finger on them easily. How many of us have known someone from the era of World War II who held something against a culture? Yeah? One of the striking things, I used to run camps for teenagers, was meeting uh, Koreans. We had a lot of Koreans come on these, Korean teenagers. And this Korean teenager girl who had this hatred, hatred for Japanese people. I'm like, just what? But in their history, they were subjugated. And this was a memory. It was not a memory from her life. Memory from their history. But this hatred was real. And for me, just Pakeha New Zealand don't really know anything about this. It just struck me as bizarre, but it was real. And she needed to do something with that. She did. And I'm not saying, not for a moment, that terrible things weren't done against the Korean people. I'm very confident that many terrible things were done. But we need to do something with that. This is why we can lament and should lament 
This is why we also should repent. But then we have hope to offer as well. And in in this way, we have to be a people who seek justice. Heather, I think before you quoted Micah 6, 8, didn't you? Which says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Very similar to it, Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue, rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. But that was written centuries ago, but it's true today as well, isn't it? We cry out to God for this, but then we are called to move ourselves. Where we see the weak and the needy. Yes, we cry out to God, but then we move. We seek justice for them. We seek to help them. We are called to be a people who have a bent to justice and mercy, a bent towards the oppressed and vulnerable. And this could mean so many things for us. More often than not, it just means moving towards the person who's around us. Maybe it means speaking up for them. Maybe it means giving. Maybe it means writing a letter. Maybe it means political action. Maybe it means opening our homes. But if there is injustice around us, we are called to take Christ there. We are. We are. We are called to take Christ there. Fourthly, we are to love others. Now, this is part of who we are at St. Andrews. Uh, We write it on our walls. Hopefully it gets into our hearts. But in Luke 10, an expert of God's law comes to Jesus and questions him about how to inherit eternal life. Do you know it? And Jesus says, well, what does God's law ask of you? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the expert of the law comes back to him. Who's my neighbor? Let's just qualify this, you know. Let's make it something manageable. And Jesus does just the opposite. He says, everyone's your neighbor. Everyone. That person you don't know, that person who is different to you, that person who's lying, unconscious, you can't even learn their name, they're your neighbor. And you are called to move towards them, to help them. And believe me, I know how tricky that can be in our lives. Uh, One of the joys of being a pastor, and I say that a little sarcastically, is people turn up, they tell you stories, and you go, I want to help you, but actually I'm trying to work out what's the best way to help you. And we're all in situations like this, not just me, all of us. How do we help them? How do we love them and care for them? And lastly, we need to finish the mission. Now we get to finish the mission, God's mission, Jesus' mission in our families and amongst our friends, but that is not the limit of it. That is not the limit of God's vision, is it? Jesus' mission was to bring us back to God that we might have fullness of life. And this means holding Jesus forth to all people. You know, at one stage, Peter the Apostle, remember, this is the guy who got up and spoke after the day of Pentecost. At one stage, Peter the Apostle withdrew from fellowshipping with Gentile Christians. And Paul, a fellow Jew, called him out. See, Peter, that's not right. You can't do that. 
Yes, those are your fellow Jews and fellow Christians, but so are these Gentiles. And Christ is more foundational, more foundational than your Jewishness. If you put your Jewishness before Christ, you are denying Christ. Can you imagine being there when Paul did that? Wow. Thank you, son. That would have been quite something. Paul was calling Peter a hypocrite. And so if you ever feel hypocritical in your faith, hey, you're in good company, which is a strange encouragement. But we are called to live out the fullness of what Christ has done for us that all people might know that our Savior is their Savior as well. You know, in another place uh, in the Bible, in Colossians, Colossians 3, I believe. Uh, Paul says something similar to the Galatians reading I read before. He talks about how we're all one. And And he describes, again, Jew and Gentile, we're one in Christ. And then he throws in two strange ones. He says barbarian and Scythian. They're not opposites. These are both two cultures, two people groups who were brutal. One of them was known for scalping people. And here is Paul saying them, you're all one. At church, you're all one. This oneness, this is what God is working for. We see a tiny bit of it here on Sunday. Tiny bit of it. I know we're a pretty white congregation. I know. We're missing a few skin tones probably, a few languages. But we get to show it. We get to show Sunday after Sunday that Christ is greater than our differences because it is He, He and He alone who brings us back to God.